Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 123 for March 6, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about fixing a bent handsaw, deciding what scrap to keep, working with pine, perfectly calibrated tools making imperfect cuts, and our favorite finishes as well as should woodworking be sexy. Well, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> we already know it is with the three of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, before we get to that stuff, uh, let's have a word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by Festool, helping woodworkers get better results in less time and with less mess to clean up afterwards. Visit them online at festoolusa.com. And by Bell Forest Products, providing over 100 species of figured and exotic wood to woodworkers around the globe. From stock sizes and individual boards to bulk lumber for larger projects, you're sure to find exactly what you need. Use coupon code WOODTALK at bellforestproducts.com to save 10% on your next order. Offer good until April 10th, 2013. Woo, hey, you know, with that music, that suddenly goes perfect with the fruit punch that I poured just for today's episode. That's <laughs> nice, awesome. Nice island theme we've got going today. <laughs> yeah, I suddenly feel very warmed out in this freezing basement. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, or maybe a topic suggestion for us? You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on our Skype. Look for us. We're Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623 242 5180. Of course, you can also email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment over on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or maybe a previous episode, you want to leave a comment over there because you heard something and you just don't know how else to get a hold of us, you're going to find all that information over at woodtalkshow.com. And with that out of the way, let's find out what's going on on the bench. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, you can probably just skip right over me because I literally had nada. Nothing really happened <laughs> other oh, well. than my butt making a huge imprint in the bed, the couch, the bed, the couch, easy chair, couch, bed, <laughs> <Attaboy>. couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, Shannon, how about you? Uh, I'm actually wrapping up a bunch of different stuff. I applied finish to something hey, last oh, night. What? Nice. I know. It's crazy, well, That's right? sexy, Shannon. That and then, you in a whole and then I did that, that thing where, well, I've got some more of this shellac. What can I stick it on alex come here (laughs) (laughs) right that would actually be really good considering the amount of dog hair and the ducks when we had them cleaned last week the guy was 30 years of doing this i've never seen an intake vent look this bad like alex that's your fault he's over you you if you lost a dog is that (laughs) was he like up in there he's like i think i found your lost dog (laughs) ma'am But yes, I, I was applying finish to the frame saws that I just built. I'm just trying to wrap up a bunch of stuff because I'm actually heading this weekend down to Colonial Williamsburg for mm. my annual hand tool pilgrimage, whatever you want to call it. So I'm looking forward to it because actually my mom's flying into town and I get to kind of play tour guide, which is always fun. So yeah, cool. um, actually not much going on in the shop got plenty to do but i'm trying not to get started on something as i'll be away from the shop for the next four days or so nice okay i have to to ask a question here and this is totally on woodworking related uh regarding williamsburg i always have to put things in perspective of food is there a particular item like a walking (laughs) taco a uh dog on a stick something that williamsburg is known for maybe like a turkey leg or something like at a renaissance fair Hmm. Uh, churros, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that colonial <laughs> churro. Hmm. You know, I I don't think they have something like that. Okay, I, just, I, I should just make that I, suggestion because I know the director of marketing for the foundation. I should give her a call and say you need like old fashioned rock candy on a string or something. Right. You need yeah. some sort of edible icon. That's just what they need. <laughs> People go. are walking around. Yeah, I, I can see the dr- like the turkey drumstick or maybe a whole chicken on a stick. That might work out. <laughs> Thinking more like chocolate muskets. Ooh, mm, I can go I for like some chocolate. Me. Delicious, nice. All right. Well, for me, it's uh, not quite as exciting, but definitely better than doing nothing. Like I, like uh, like Matt this week, and like me last I, week. I was on the couch, the bed, the couch, the bed, the couch, the bed, bed, easy chair, yeah, couch. Technically, that's not nothing. You did do something, but that's uh, right. Seriously, you, you burn control. calories when you move from <laughs> one location to another. Yeah. Well, I actually had to like take swap out the batteries in the remote control too, so that's a little something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I actually did some uh, hardware shopping. I've got cabinets in the shop that have yet to be completed, and I know I've got a lot of doors to hang and drawers to uh, set up the slides for. So 
went over to Clyde Hardware in Phoenix, and this is one of those places, I've talked about this a couple times in the past, they do business-to-business transactions, it's not open to general public, but the pricing is just insanely good. Like, I I haven't even found any place online that, that can match the prices that they have. So I was able to get, like, 24 full extension slides, 22 inches long, and uh, maybe 28, I think it was, um, Euro hinges for uh, face frame construction with a half-inch overlay. The whole thing, oh, and also the brackets that are included with it. whole thing came out to about 148 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Holy know? cats. And if you ever look on any of the sites, like, you know, Woodcraft, Rockler, the sort of top-level woodworking supply places, um, if you can, try not to buy hardware from there. I mean, I love those stores, but the hardware is so overpriced. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's got to be better online resources than that, I'm sure. In fact, if anyone wants to make a suggestion for a good online retailer for hardware, uh, let us know because I, I, I really would like to find some place that I – sometimes you get lazy. You don't necessarily want to drive 40 minutes downtown to get this stuff, and if I could order it online, I'd like to. Um, yeah. but, but for 148 bucks, that much hardware is like, whoa, that's – that. I mean, I can't find anything like that anywhere else, mm-hmm. so – are these guys like really old school? Like we used to have this old school plumbing place where they didn't even have like a uh, electronic cash register. These guys basically <laughs> had like – I don't even think it was like a, a notebook. They just had scraps of paper that they probably took out of the gar- garbage from the next door neighbor. <laughs> and we're just like, let's see. That's a washer, blah, blah, blah. Write the stuff down and then just hand you something and be like, that's 33 cents. <laughs> they are definitely the type of place that has been there for a while. I don't know their full history, but they're they're modern in the sense that they have cash registers and and you know people aren't wearing like, you know, uh lederhosen and things. Right. <laughs> so they're not walking like around the... with turkey drumsticks. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say there's always the one guy that's walking around that's eating something. <laughs> yeah, they they generally they've got all their teeth and everything, but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it is a place that is business to business and you could just tell they have been there for a while. So I I don't know whether uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether everything is just marked up so much and they, they well, don't do that. Yeah, that's what you it know? is. I mean, but but why doesn't, you know, it's usually in this case, you don't see that much of a discrepancy. You can sometimes find better prices locally or do a little work, you find a better price. But this is so much cheaper, like significantly cheaper than I could find anywhere else that it almost, you know, I don't know, maybe they're just stealing it all. <laughs> you well, go. you know, what, what you find, <laughs> as with most of this stuff, there's a lot of politics involved, but yeah. you get this like traditional distributor chain. We see this with power tools all the time. You mm-hmm. like go to the Jet website. You can't actually buy anything there. Right. But you can find their distributors because the manufacturers of these things have to quote unquote protect their distributor chain. Mm-hmm. So they have their price to their distributors and then their distributors have their suggested prices down to the retailers and things like that. And it sounds like this guy's just cut one or two of those steps out of the equation yeah. and is selling, you know, he may get away with that by saying we're a B2B, you know, it's kind of code for we're a wholesaler. Right, um, right. But I mean, he's just cutting a few markups out of the equation. Yeah. It's, you know, be, probably has a lot of people that don't like him very much that compete with him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you but, what, if you can find a local resource, something like that, hopefully that you can get prices like this. But th- one of the best parts about it is they actually do have a little showroom that you can go into. And I don't know about you guys, but when you're buying like European style hinges and slides, that crap gets confusing fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, the differences, the subtle differences between them. It's not just like, okay, here's the measurement and the weight capacity and here's how much I wanted to extend out of the drawer. There's so much more to it, so, like the different types of closing mechanisms. The great thing is they've got them all sampled there so you can actually look at them, touch them, see how they're installed, get an idea for how you might implement it and make a judgment call right then and there. So if you can get to a place like that, um, highly recommend it over these, you know, you see a couple pictures online, you may end up with something that won't even work for your application if you're not careful. So well, the fact that you have an actual person you can have a conversation with about and yeah. ask for their suggestions, nice. that to me, even if the price was equivalent to what I'm going to get online or a little bit more, uh, I will pay for that convenience because mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think I know what I'm doing, but we all know that I don't. So <laughs> it's nice having those knowledgeable people. I mean, like, like I said, those those plumber guys that I had, I would just walk in. I could hold up something. I go, uh, it's attached to this. And they would yeah. be able to name it the year it came out and everything else. And I'm like, that's insane. I go to a big box center and I know those people work hard, too. But I'll look at it and they're like, um, you're in the wrong aisle. <laughs> you need yeah. Velcro, man. It's Velcro. Uh, it's also nice to just support the local guys, you know, the small mom and pop places mm-hmm. that, you know, you're just thankful they're still in existence at this point. So word up on that. All right. So can since you're 
finally getting back to you know finishing up some of the stuff in the shop can we assume that the book is going oh, well oh no 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 <laughs> make no <laughs> assumptions uh, no, this no. was a forced separation for there, sanity purposes there was a point where i had sent everything that i needed to, that had been reviewed and i sent my sort of rebuttal and changes back to the editor and i was waiting to get those back into my hands so there was a point where there was no communication and i kind of looked around and was like I might be able to sneak into the shop today, you know. <laughs> so that's what pull, I did. That's when you pull the Ethernet cable out of the wall. Oopsie. No, I didn't hear anything from. It. I'm still waiting. <laughs> I didn't get an email. My phone's broken. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I did get one day where I was able to turn my attention to some of these things in it. But I spent most of the day picking up materials, unfortunately. So I've got a bunch of plywood, some MDF, and uh, hardware, and just things for shop storage solutions that I probably won't be able to get to for for quite some time. Uh, in fact, the deadline is a little bit further out than I thought it was. So part of it was like, oh, I'm relieved. I've got more time. The other half of my brain is like, oh, crap. I got to actually think about this for longer. (laughs) 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 So, but it's, it is going well. Things are going really good and moving along, but I know people get sick of me here and talking about it. So let's move on to the around the web stuff. Uh, Who's got this first one from Kyle? Uh, let's see here. I remember putting some of these in, but I'll just go ahead and read it. Kyle said in this video, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but a really excellent video and great production quality. Really amazing to see it come together at the end. Uh, and I'm going to say, what? Isn't this, this is the, the Jarvi bench. Isn't this oh, the second? Oh, yeah. I saw this. This is, Isn't I watched this the, the other yeah. day and it actually made me think. I need to get like one of those wood misers just <laughs> so that I could do stuff like this. Isn't this the second go round for this video though? Uh, it's the first yeah, it's for me, so that's all that matters. <laughs> just yeah, it's new to this Matt. Video, so. This video makes me retract last week's statement about wanting a 3D printer and going back to my wood miser lust. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, essentially, it's a video um, from what's his name, Mike Mike Jarvie is his name. Jar, is that yeah, sure. Mike Jarvie. Yes, <laughs> here we go. My yeah. Classic. What do you guys think? I don't know. <laughs> Some guy named Steve. Some guy Steve. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah so, Mike, Mike Jarvie, and he's building the Jarvie bench. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. It's absolutely awesome. So take a look at that. If you've already seen it before, watch it again because it's yeah, worth it. And, and if they didn't call it the Jarvie bench, you truly would have no idea what the guy is building until like the last 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, essentially, he's cutting in into this big you know, slab and almost making, if it's what I remember, sort of like an accordion style separation of the wood. Is that right? Or where it's not completely disconnecting? Correct. Yeah, it's it's right. it's all connected, and he's yeah steam bending these this huge piece, like making the cuts, and then and then steam bending it, and then making some more cuts there to like go. inset. Okay. So you look at the piece, the fin- the finished piece. It looks like it. You would think, at least I would think, that it's like three or four pieces brought together. When in fact, it's one piece just cut the right way and then brought together. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Is he actually essentially he cuts joinery on his wood miser. Yeah, which is just awesome. Yeah, and, and and the pieces don't actually separate from the original one. It's literally just kind of like opening and opening up, almost kind of I don't know, like like a really well cut piece of paper. Well, like <laughs> yeah, like uh, what do you call it when kids make snowflakes out of paper, sort of? They're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> snowflakes out of paper. What? What do you call that? I don't know. Uh, I just called it making making snowflakes. snowflakes out of paper. I call it paper art. Right. Snowagami. All right. Yeah, um, so it's just really neat for the overall design and seeing what finally ends up. It's totally, really cool. Totally. All right. We've got another one here. This was sent in by Paul. Uh, this oh, is, Paul. you guys know Matthias Wendell. We've mentioned him a couple uh-huh. times on the show. Yeah, he's the got a new, dude. yeah, he's like the engineer dude um, who builds his own tools. There is a program that he created for helping to make templates. And essentially, from what I gather, you could take a photograph and import it into this program, tell it what the actual scale is of of the item, and then you can have a grid overlaid on top of it so that you can actually print out on your inkjet printer in your your home uh, some sort of a full-scale template starting with a photograph. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, and if you look at I so I watched the video, it looks like it's fairly simple in terms of of what the software does, but it's so smart uh in being able to overlay this this graph of a fixed, you know, known distance and you could just sort of shrink it down or, or it's on a scale. So you could build it to any size you want. Uh the thing is this, it's um this program will not run on a Mac. Just about computer. To, I was just about to say <laughs> that it's only uh PC, so you're gonna have to either have a virtual machine or boot camp or something if you're on a Mac. Uh, well, then it's work. just not worth taking a look at. Yeah. I'll just I'll just print it off at work. No big deal. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes for that. 
Uh, we've got another one here. I posted this on, on Facebook, but someone, uh, Tony, recommended this to me. It's a video featuring 15,000 volts being sent through a piece of plywood. What? Did you guys catch that? Of course. I it's, mean, why not? It's so cool. <laughs> you so, said thousand, right? 15,000 from what I understand. That's that it should be what it is. But basically they connect it to like two different sides. And of course, as the, the current goes through, it's kind of wanting to trail toward the other piece, but it's burning the wood along the way. So you just kind of look at it and you would think it might follow the wood grain or something like that. And it really doesn't. What it creates looks more like lightning bolts, if anything. And it's burning the wood as it goes. So it's kind of the stop motion sped up kind of uh, video showing what actually happens when this is done and they keep moving it to different places and it's just like it's just like nature making some sort of art right in front of your eyes it's really really cool that looks like the wickedest tree i've ever seen (laughs) it's so it's almost like premeditated you know it's almost like someone drew it as opposed to this is just what randomly happens when uh, you course this much voltage through a piece of plywood Wow, I, I wish that they actually this. gave us the real sound instead of the cool acoustic guitar overlay. I wonder, I mean, does it sound like anything? Is there sparking and crackling? Like, yeah, crackling noises. Can you imagine how much it stinks in there as a piece of plywood yeah, is true. being What, what you don't see is there's actually an assistant on the backside with a finger and just like moving along where they want the volt to go and they're screaming. <laughs> ouch, All ouch, I can ouch. say is thank God they don't allow formaldehyde in the construction of plywood anymore because that would be a bit nasty in boy, that room. Boy, that would be nasty stuff. Um, All right. Now, speaking of Mike Jarvie, this is something that was kind of brought into the show notes a little bit late, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about. There was a video posted about uh, this woodworker, uh, this woman, Greta DePerry. The interesting thing was this was posted in the forum, I don't know, like maybe earlier in the week. Um, Sorry, I hear voices outside. (laughs) Real voices, not in my head. Um, so anyway, this video was posted in the forum and as the owner of the forum, when something comes in that says like, this is my new favorite video and it features an attractive woman doing woodworking, I have to kind of look at it and like determine is like, it doesn't bother me at all, but is, can this be a problem? Uh, if people start, if, especially if it is an attractive woman and the comments start to go in a direction that's, <laughs> yeah. what, are, what you know, are you talking about? Something starts happens. showing up in the search engines right next to <laughs> other certain unnamed websites that I don't know where they are. Exactly. Yeah. Those. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to be careful because I, I, I want to be respectful of our female members in the forum and make sure that they're not in an uncomfortable situation. So so this was brought to my attention. Everybody, you know, there were comments that were made, but nothing was over the line. So I figured it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but then the link kept showing up in other places. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should talk about this because uh, what, I, what I'm curious about, I, I'm not a woman, despite my last video that I put up. So no comment. that was really poor timing on that comment. <laughs> right? I mean, what are the chances? This week, of course, I have to state and let people know that I'm not a woman. Um, so, so I don't really have the perspective on this. And I was curious, is something like this, and just to explain what it is, she's a very attractive but also very talented woman. And she, in terms of selling herself, selling her brand, she really falls on the the sexuality side. She's clearly staging images that show her and sort of um, someone mentioned that it's like a Sports Illustrated picture of a, of a <laughs> woodworker. A um, and they are staged images like that. So the, the question is, does this detract? Is this good for her to do? Is this something that is empowering to other women woodworkers or is it something that's a little bit defeating? I, and I don't know. And I'm only raising the questions and stirring the pot a little bit. <laughs> Well, I think I think if you object to it, Mark, that's a little bit hypocritical. Because I, I seem to remember a, a picture of a certain woodworker posing on his flaming table saw in many provocative poses. So, <laughs> see, there's there's a clear difference between someone who really is sexy, who's trying to act sexy, versus someone who is not sexy, uh, clearly not sexy, trying to be sexy. It's a very big difference there. Um, but no, I like I said, I don't care either way. I'm just posing the question from what I wanted to hear was what other people thought about it. So I did post this on Facebook. And before we kind of share each other's thoughts on this, I wanted to read some of the comments that came in. Uh, first of all, now I did want to hear from women, but of course, you know, mere mortals, <laughs> he popped in <laughs> and uh, decided to to say something. He says, she seems to have popped up about a month ago. I guess she's good at woodworking, but she's downplaying it in favor of her posing for what appear to be highly staged glamour photos. She is sexy though, and men like babes with tools, so I'm sure she'll be a hit whether her skills are good or not. She can play the sex card. Um, now we did have three, I've got three excerpts from, um, women who replied, one of which is our very own Carrie Haltman, um, who I think is extremely well-respected 
in our community, you know what I mean? As far as women woodworkers go, she's an incredibly talented craftsman and uh, craftsperson, I guess we should say to be, to be absolutely correct about that. And there we lose a good portion of our audience. Thank you very um, much. And her blog is fantastic. So anyway, Carrie Haltman, um, is, she says it's sort of like rock stars who are talented, but who also use their sex appeal if they have it to gain exposure and make sales. She makes cool stuff and loves what she does. If she weren't so good looking, would she get the same amount of attention? Probably not. But that probably says more about her audience than her. Uh, Tanya Roberts says, how could she possibly, here's the other thing. The way I worded it in Facebook was kind of stupid. I said, is it damaging to the craft? And I didn't mean to say that it's damaging to the craft. I meant to say, is this counterproductive for her as a craftsman? Um, So Tanya, her first uh, comment was, how could she possibly be damaging to the craft? As a woman, I've been envious of women who could work in construction since I first watched Joanne working with Dean on one of the first home improvement shows. Ah, home time. I miss Jojo. Jojo's so awesome. Home time was so good. Uh, She says, sure wish I had learned to weld and build at my father's side 40 years ago. Uh, And finally from Kim, she says, I think it's great that she's promoting her work and the women can do it attitude. Uh, But seriously, I can see those long locks getting wrapped up in that machinery pretty quick (laughs) if she really works that way, the way that she portrays for the Sex Appeal fan club that she seems to be after. How sexy would she look with no head after the machine removes it? Ouch. (laughs) So has she given a lot of thought to this? Uh, I like the message, but not the way that she's delivering it. Girls shouldn't need approval on how good they look when woodworking. It's about self-gratification on the work you produce and the enjoyment had making it. So those are three real-life women. Uh, I did not write those real, real life women <laughs> compared to those that just dress up in lingerie. Exactly. Um, so ultimately this, this is a, a talented woman who is really as a designer. I think you have the job of not just, not just creating your work, but you really are trying to build your own brand, right? You know, which, right. which entails your look. People want to buy from someone who has a certain persona out there. So that's kind of really what she's doing is building up this persona in combination with her craftsmanship to create a brand of furniture or brand of things, I guess you could say that people want, you know, so I don't know that she can necessarily be faulted for it. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Any perspectives on this? Well, as a, as a, as a professional marketer, I actually think she's done a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, you always have to consider who your target demographic is. And when it comes to buying furniture, let's be honest, women make most of those decisions. Any married man who thinks they have a lot of control over the type of furniture they have in their house is an idiot. (laughs) So so when you are marketing home goods in general, you're marketing to women for, I'd say, 95% of that market. Those are the ones making that decision. So is she necessarily playing the sex appeal card effectively or is she playing the girl power card, which I think – and again, from what perspective do I speak? But that was my thought. Hey, good for her. I bet there's a lot of women are like, oh, go on, sister. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, see, and that's what's funny. The thought of, of of her using playing the sex appeal thing never even occurred to me. Um, certainly, she's an attractive woman. But from a marketing perspective, I think she's gone a different route there. How do you mean? Just just not not like look how look how sexy I am, but – Look, you know, girls can do this too, and and hey, you, my fellow women, are buying this. Um, look at me, you right. know. Not only do you want to buy something beautiful, but you buy something made by, you know, made by a woman. Yeah. I think seems to me that would what that has even more legs than than the sex appeal side of things. Well, and I and I, you know, this is something that I I think I'm somewhat speaking out of turn here because I am not a designer. I'm not from that sort of background of design school, but I don't know what what would be this person's target that she's trying to attain. I don't even know that she's necessarily trying to get, you know, clients necessarily. It feels to me like she's trying to design maybe a brand or line that can then be sold or possibly, you know, purchased by a larger company that deals with you know pieces like this and uh mm, you know might yeah. maybe be able to take something like this to a mass audience i, I and i'm the reason i'm saying it's out of turn is because i don't know what the goals of someone like this is i don't know that she's taking orders necessarily do you know what i mean right look at All her right. contact page there's a well, you know, rose rosie riveter chick on her contact page i love rosie the which, Riveter. which to me i maybe that's where i'm coming from yeah is yeah. i mean there's no better 
you know, emblem icon of girl power than Rosie the Riveter. Didn't somebody Photoshop Carrie's face on that image one time? I think that's very possible that it could have happened. <laughs> if they haven't, it <laughs> Someone should. should. Someone get on that, please. Well, you know, here, I have, I have another question about this. The The video that we're talking about mm-hmm. is actually, it, it appears to be a, a news article. Yes. And so there's a part of me that wonders, is is did she dress, dress for that? And God, that sounds so sexist. But... I, I wonder, is, is, is this the way she's realistic? She, she, <laughs> true. Because I'll be quite honest with you, as somebody who easily can be accused of maybe glaring too long at certain individuals at some point. <laughs> um, Me? What are you talking about? Yeah, and you. And you <laughs> especially when we're both together at some place, we really get in trouble Sometimes, for that. <laughs> oh, I, I, was, I was insinuating that you're looking at me. Oh, yeah, you, you too. Trust me, that video's on a freeze frame. Um, Good lord. Uh, but more or less, to be quite honest with it, it really doesn't bother me one bit what she's doing. In fact, I wish I could somehow be appealing to somebody, but I'm more <laughs> concerned about the final product that, that she's creating. Um, you know, if anybody actually believes that now. <laughs> well, well, and I mean, if you look at the, the picture, she's got quite a few stuff on, on her website. Oh, that um, is a cool table. Yeah, she's got crescent a table. She's got her furniture up there, some designed objects and her. It's really the about me page where you start to see a lot of the I'm in the middle of, you know, working on this this piece of thing. And, and my hair looks like I just got out of the shower and I'm yeah, it's like a Pantene Pro V commercial. <laughs> I, I, I bet you I, I am willing if if she would respond to this. I bet you anything. This was completely staged by a photographer like a, a friend who wants to help get her stuff out there because i see this with some of the stuff that samantha does especially for magazines yeah. and any other type of thing the the person who's being featured oftentimes there is a lot of glamming up of the individual when in reality uh they might even wish that they looked like that all the time so there's a yeah, part of me that yeah. wonders if that's in there and, well, and if not um, I, I need an assistant in my shop. Well, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, here's the thing. We live in a society that rewards people for being good looking. No we matter, live in a vain society. I mean, and no matter what area we're talking about, if you are good looking, you generally, unless, I don't know, you, you're the president of an ugly club. Um, if you're really good looking... Does that exist? Because I would like to sign Actually, up. we have cards now. We're thinking about getting jackets and T-shirts. Uh, I'll send you the website very soon. But but I think if you are good looking, you have some sort of advantage that you can use to your, you know, uh, to your advantage. Um, yeah. this, this is very clear. And like you said, if you're getting pictures taken and you're good looking and you're a talented craftsman, why would you not want to feature that as something to, to get to get people like three goobers like us to actually talk about it? You know? Well, even even these pictures on the about me are they're definitely different than that video that we hey she has a Jarvie bench in the back uh, than she <laughs> actually has in in the video itself. The video almost looks completely glammed down versus yeah. this. Well, so, it's like the local news. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I still have a feeling that's probably it's all about lighting. A, <laughs> that that's more of a realistic approach of her than than what we're probably seeing here. All I know is there there's a shot, a few shots here that I would love to see Matt try to reproduce. Is it the one where she has the board coming off of the thing and she has her leg raised up? In a, there's uh, that one. There's one where she's like, it looks like she's marking something on a rough board and she's leaning forward uh, in a tank top. Um, there's also one where she's carrying two chairs through a lumber yard. Yes. Um, and she's and, sweaty and has her mouth just open a little bit so you can see her teeth. I want you to redo those shots with, with Samantha, if you can. I mean, I'm, having, I'm having George Costanza images floating through my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely, I think my my chest is bigger than hers. And uh, <laughs> I definitely, I, I don't sweat, I pour. Dude, and the great so, thing is you have, a, your wife is a professional photographer. You could totally reproduce these shots. <laughs> yeah, and she wouldn't have to doctor them up one bit. In fact, actually, hopefully she'll do a little bit of work so that my stomach almost looks as flat. So, <laughs> Well, anyway, I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to drag this out too much because, you know, congratulations to her for, for doing whatever she can do to, to build her brand and to, and to become someone in, in her industry. Um, Absolutely. I don't, I mean, she's a person too. I don't want to do this sort of focus like we did last week on Anna White. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to, how do you talk about these things without focusing on that person that uh, generated the conversation in the first place? And, and at the same time though, I, I think that this, the fact that there is a conversation that there are these people that are these, these women that are, are kind of jumping in here so that eventually it won't just be, you know, years down the road, we won't be like, oh, my, my favorite woodworker was uh, Norm Abram. He just totally blew me away. Now we have 
other people that are maybe coming in. Hopefully that buys me some street cred or something. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we'll put the link in the show notes. You can go check out uh, her work there. And she's even got a link to her TV debut. Yeah, and definitely watch the video because like the Jarvie bench, it's another one where like she starts with a log and whips out the wood miser and it's just good, good, clean woodworking in the video. It's an interesting style of woodworking too. It's something that you need to be close to the source for like a lot of the the rough material for this stuff. Uh, You know, like I I couldn't go to my local lumber place and find some of these, uh, some of the material that, that they're working with. So it's definitely a more of a... I don't want to say it's necessarily rougher woodworking, but it's thinking about woodworking on a bit of a different scale um, that yeah. we're not necessarily, you know, we're not really milling everything down to three quarters of an inch and designing our joinery around that. It's almost like getting great stock and then building something around the stock so that it does justice to it, which is to me, I think is a very cool way uh, to do right. woodworking. So that's, that's kind well, of what I mean, about. it's, it's no, she even mentions the Offerman workshop on here. I mean, they're that their styles are very much the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, very cool stuff. So check that out. Uh, all right, let's go to the poll of the week. How about uh, your poll of the week, Matt? Okay. Well, you know what? This week, rather than being an individual, it's actually the movie that is apparently just taking all sorts of awards over there. It's called, oh, please, I'm going to totally destroy this, uh, Wawa, which is roughly translated into the Warsaw Hangover. Hmm. And that's exactly what this is. Apparently, the Was hangover. Tyson it, in that? Uh, no, not this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think so. No, he, this, but they said they said that the original or Hangover when it when it appeared in Warsaw over in Pol- in Poland, it bombed, and this is the version that totally is taking them by storm. No kidding. Yep. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> where where can I see this? Uh, I will try to find a link for it. Something I have like a feeling Netflix, there might be maybe? subtitles. That would be good. Because I won't, I won't understand it otherwise. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom's uh, poll of the week is asking a question. This is cool because this ties into one of the emails we get later on. Um, are you a wood hoarder? Hoarder. Hoarder. Oh, hoarder. Hoarder. <laughs> I was I was worried that there was a little bit of a uh, some sort of dialect <laughs> issue going on I between thought, us, and I'm I, like, mm. I thought I should repeat that just in case. Just in case you have something to do with again your video, <clears throat> don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, feedback on that has been great. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> sure. Thirty-one percent said that I could build a project or two with what I have on hand. That's kind of where I fall in. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple projects worth. Uh, 29% say I buy as I go. I have nothing but scraps. 18% say that I, I can't go for a long, or I can go for a long time without a visit to the hardwood dealer. 17% say just some choice boards for special projects. And only 4% say that they can embarrass most sawmills. So, <laughs> so I'm curious, nice. what, what do you, I mean, I know Shannon, you've got like, um, almost infinite access to this stuff, but you probably but, don't have infinite storage. So what do you actually have at home? Uh, in my shop, I say I think I voted like on the, I can go for a long time without a visit. I've got a fair amount. I've got too much in my shop because mm-hmm. I don't have enough space for it. Yeah. Um, but of course, and this is how it always works, I never have – it always seems like I have to go get more when I start a new project. I've got like these three boards up there, but for one reason or another, they won't work for the project that I'm about to start. Or – it's like, well, I could use that board, but then the color won't be right, and then I'll be short on the boards that, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a card table in the future. I'm going to build with that, and if I take that board away, then I won't have the right enough for that. And yeah, I always manage to have an excuse for why I need to go buy more. <laughs> I have a problem. Yes, you do. <laughs> How about you, Matt? What do you what do you keep in the shop? I, I think I'm pretty much like you. I, I I could build a project or two with what I have on hand, but I, it doesn't stop me from going out and saying. Hmm, Maybe I'll get a little bit more. In fact, it's a funny thing. One of the things I did do over the weekend is we had a bonfire and I had to rescue some boards, literally some boards as Samantha came down and said, we need more wood. And she started going for like my 13 foot long poplar and a few other ones. I'm like, what are you doing? Nice. Can't beat that. Uh, All right. Let's move on to the voicemail. This one is uh, our only voicemail from Daniel. And this is probably one of my favorite voicemails we've ever gotten. And you'll, you'll hear why. Hey, guys. This is Daniel. Uh, and I just wanted to ask a question about working with pine. Uh, I really enjoy um, woodworking and uh, don't have enough money to buy the expensive hardwoods all the time. And so I've been using pine and uh, this is it. There's not good knowledge. Now <laughs> <laughs> we hit some buttons. <laughs> so I hope you had fun listening to this. 
Maybe I'll call back and try again. <laughs> <laughs> That's just great. The the best part, here, listen to his laugh at the end. Oh, hold on. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Daniel, because that really made my day. It's the new chortle. <laughs> oh, fantastic. But Daniel did actually write in to clarify his question. And by the way, if you ever screw up on a voicemail, we're going to play it. Almost definitely. It's probably going to happen. He says that I've been building a lot lately to sell at a local flea market. I've been using mostly pine to be able to keep prices low. I have a huge problem with warping boards. Is there any way to counter this? I've heard Matt talk about using pine in projects before. Do you just buy the stuff from the hardware store, or is there a better pine that's dried more thoroughly and thus is more stable? Thanks, Daniel. So I don't uh, honestly work with pine very much. When I do, it's, it's very dry, and it kind of... It behaves fairly predictably, but uh, do you guys have any perspective on this? Yeah, uh, well, I, I had actually ended up emailing back to Daniel, and I told him that uh, really the the pine that I've worked with and the one that I've had the best results from uh, came from a, a local lumber lumber mill. But the pine, I don't think, actually came from the local lumber mill because it's they always refer to it as New England like Eastern white pine, and uh, I love that stuff. It's the the material that they have and maybe it's just the lumber yard itself mm-hmm. which i'm sure makes a huge difference uh but that stuff is really really stable in fact i have some boards still sitting on my rack which i could make one or two projects from i've had those boards now for years and they're still as flat as the day that i i brought them into the shop and when i do mill the material um it works just absolutely amazing so i've never had good luck with home center pine i mean it tends to be the most prolific that they have there i mean there's just tons and tons of it even the the uh a grade stuff but um yeah it's i think it just comes down purely to where you're purchasing purchasing it from Mm -hmm. and i just i absolutely love that eastern white pine it to me that stuff works just amazing yeah yep it all comes down to moisture content if you're buying from the home center Generally, the wood is probably in the 18 to 20 percent moisture content. Mm-hmm. They used to, they meaning the softwood industry, used to kiln dry it to the six to eight percent thing, but uh, it takes a lot longer to do that. You can, <laughs> if you try to hurry up to six to eight percent, you will destroy the wood. You'll get it checked, you'll get case hardening, it'll just be unusable. So it's one of those things where you can drop it very quickly to 18 to 20 percent, very quickly, like, you know, a couple of days in a kiln. And then it takes like two weeks from there to get even further. Um, so because the demand is so high and, and most of the stuff that the home centers sell, it's construction grade stuff. It doesn't have to be perfectly dry. So they will essentially nuke it to get it down to 20% and then package it up and ship it out. And um, I mean, it it's moved like crazy. It's steel banded in place. As soon as they take those steel bands off and stick it on the rack, it works oh, get out of the way. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, if you've ever seen them like cut those bands off, oh, yeah. you see they, they, they like fly. stand back. You know, it's <laughs> not because of the bands were necessarily under that much tension when they put them on. It's because they've been forced under tension as the wood has moved around on you. Mm. So the stuff is is really unstable because it's really, really wet. But the truth of the matter is the less dense a wood species is, the more stable it is. Because the more air that's in the wood means it has more room to kind of move around without deforming its shape. Northeastern white pine and pine in general is a much less dense wood. So if it's dried properly, it's quite stable. And good northeastern white pine or sugar pine or or, um, lodgepole pine, it's beautiful stuff to work. Mm -hmm. If you've ever bought the good stuff, which it sounds like, Matt, you have, um, it's a revelation in in working with it. Because most yeah. of us, like, like sounds like Daniel, have just gone to you know Lowe's or Home Depot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the grade is different too. I mean, they sell a much lower grade to those places. All the knots and the, the stability of those knots, it's just nasty. I do not so, buy it for that reason. <laughs> it's, oh. it's really almost not <laughs> worth it. And, and frankly, Matt? it's quite a bit more expensive than it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. – uh, my Find first a place experience that sells good stuff. <laughs> yeah, my first experience with it. I'll just put it this way: uh, the uh, the lumberyard guy contacted me and said, "Look, the what you originally wanted, we're we're no longer carrying it, but we have this." And again, he kept referring to it as like New England pine, and I'm like, "Well." Okay, I'll take I'll trust you on this. And there wasn't really a, an upgrade in price or anything. When it showed up, I remember contacting him and saying, how much more do you have? Because I don't need 
wood for a big project yet, but I want to make sure that I have as much of the stuff as you ha- you have because I don't want anybody else getting it. It was just that amazing. <laughs> nice. All right, let's pinus move on to Strobus. Just call him up and ask him for his finest pinus Strobus. And then he punches me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he hangs up on you. All right. Uh, Shannon, you want to take the first actual email that we've got today? Sure. This is from one of the coolest screen names I've ever heard. I'm assuming it's a screen name. Not, I don't know. not his birth name. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Darth Rust. Nice. <laughs> Just love. Um, he says, while learning to use my back saw, well... I noticed the plate has picked up a wave across its run. It's uh, about a 332nd ripple to one side of the saw. It all goes to one side and does not serpentine back and forth down the entire length. The rest of the saw appears unaffected. How do I fix it and how can I prevent it from happening again? So we've never claimed to be experts on a bunch of stuffs. We just happen to know people who are experts on things. (laughs) So I reached out to to Mark Carroll over at Bad Axe Toolworks, and actually the saw in question that Darth wrote about is a Bad Axe saw. And um, Mark wrote a dissertation. I actually invited him on the show, but apparently Wednesday nights are his karate dad nights. So he's breaking boards with his his kids right now. Apparently, That's cool. Um, Wait, he's which, using yeah, his kids totally to cool. break the board. <laughs> yeah, like a baseball bat. <laughs> oh boy, I'd be in trouble for that. So um, he he wrote up quite the dissertation and I've emailed this back to, to Darth, but um, Mark brings up a really interesting point. And when we talk about kind of premium versus like middle of the road or, or crappy saws and the good saws actually have a folded back that holds the saw plate in tension. Whereas the cheaper saws have a slot sawn into the back, whether it's brass, whatever, and it's epoxied in place. And what happens is now that saw plate is held fixed. So if you tweak the saw, um, it doesn't have room to to slide in that back and it will actually kink. And a kink is kind of almost impossible to fix. You know, it will never run as well as it did before once you've got a kink in a saw. Mm. What's happened here is he somehow tweaked the saw while he was working with it, which is, it's very common when you're learning to use a saw. It kind of comes down to body mechanics and alignment and everything. Well, as the saw plate tweaked, it actually slid in the back and it slid out of tension. So, because if you pull the back off a saw plate, you know, it's really flexible. Imagine a regular hand saw without a back. It's very flexible and moves around and everything. A back saw is the same way, but it's, think of it as almost being kind of stretched underneath the back so that it's held in that tension. That's what makes it more precise. So essentially to fix it, he has to retension the saw and it's done. Well, there's a really long description and I believe Mark, we're going to put that description in the show notes. Copy and paste it, baby. Beautiful. <laughs> so uh, Mark Harrell puts lines up exactly how to do this. So it's like 10 steps or whatever. But it's like a little tap right? the saw and you give it a little tap, tap, tappy. Tap, tap, tap. And what happens is the blade, actually the plate slides in that folded back and it retensions itself. And he gives you um, recourse if you go too far, if you tension it too much. So that wave, that little undulation he's seeing is kind of like, you know, the plates just kind of buckle a little bit and it's not under tension anymore. It, um, I've never done this before, but looking at Mark's description, it looks actually pretty stupid simple to fix. Um, but again, it, he brings up the fact that, you know, this is the way the old guys did it. It was been done for hundreds of years and the whole slotted epoxy back was more of a post-World War II thing and, um, not a good thing. So <laughs> there's a, there's another reason to, uh, spend money on decent saw because you, <laughs> it makes it easier to fix in the long run. I'll be interested to hear from, uh, get back to us if you can, Darth Rust. Um, if you could take a break from hanging out with the dark side for a while and let us know how it works out because it's yeah. it almost the, the description almost sounds too good to be true that you, you could, you know, tap on the front of the back or the back end of the back or whatever to, to kind of get it to retention. And I saw the picture of this thing. I'd be very interested to see how this turns out for him. Hey, you think so? It, make, it makes, makes sense to me. No, it makes perfect sense. It's just, it's, I just want to see it. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? like well, it's a buckled saw um, i want to see it i want to see it straight again it's just neat <laughs> yeah no and kidding as far as he does ask how do we fix it and how to prevent it from happening again yeah um I, this is also one of those things we tend to have this fetish lately for really thin saw plates well a thinner saw plate will kink a lot easier so i think if you're learning to use a back saw sometimes getting those thin plate dovetail saws may not be a good idea mm-hmm. and it all comes down to 
you know, your body maybe was not in alignment um, and all it took was just the slightest little tweak. Most of the time when I've seen it, I've, I've watched a lot of hand tool school students have sent me recordings of them sawing because I always tell them that's the best way to diagnose problems. And nine times out of 10, it's in the backstroke. Yeah, Sam tells me I have that out. problem too. <laughs> um, the elbow tends to kind of kick out to the left or the right, depending on what hand you're using. And that puts a little kink in it. And he sent us a picture and the tweak in the blade is kind of two thirds down the, down the blade, which tells me he was probably pulling the saw out of the kerf and he's just developed a bit of a hitch in his, in his saw stroke. Mm. So every time he pulls back on that, he's probably kinking the blade just a little bit. That's so you kinky. need to, it is kinky. My best recommendation to anybody learning to saw, set up a camera right in front of you while you're sawing and take, you know, shoot you uh, making a cut and then do it again in profile and watch both of those. Nine times out of 10, any little, you know, hitch in your giddy up is a little obvious at that point. You know, that's actually how I discovered I'm not a good dancer. So I set up a camera and it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> See, I didn't have to do <laughs> that to know I wasn't a good dancer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just look at the people around me to find out that I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> that <laughs> look of disgust was enough. Yeah. Like, I'm like so, Elaine on a dance floor. Yeah, it was it was pretty <laughs> ugly. It's I, I had that video destroyed and the same with the videographer. So, hey, one thing I do want to say is uh, Darth Rust, uh, tell Darth Nihilus I said hi. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, <laughs> All right. Hey, let me go ahead and grab this this next email. And this is from uh, Robert. And he was asking, while rearranging my shop, I had to make decisions about the inordinate amount of scrap wood I have. I needed the space, so I threw it all away and decided I would define some personal criteria for keeping scrap. But I don't know what critical I, – I don't know what criteria – I almost put critical – what criteria to use. How do you guys manage your scrap hoarding and what criteria do you use for keeping the scrap? Length, width, thickness, species? So – uh, most of my scraps just got burned in a fire this weekend, literally, uh, because my family really wanted to have s'mores in the middle of uh, a real big cold snap. Nice. But typically, the one thing I have for my scrap pile is uh, it usually it has to be at least about uh, 12 inches long, preferably uh, a, a couple inches wide. Uh, thickness doesn't really matter because I will take some of the smaller ones thinking I can use those for all sorts of things. And I do have a thing for really exotic species. I will hold on to those much longer than I would say like uh, maple, pine or anything like that because Mm -hmm. there's that part of my brain that says I could maybe use this for like an inlay or something like that. And then at some point it just gets burned to make sure that my marshmallow is toasty. Well, it's, it's one of those things too, where I don't know, for me, it changes. It just depends on what mood I'm in and what my current scrap pile looks like. So if I'm really getting to the point where there's just too much wood, I will get frustrated and anything that's like too thin or too short. I'm just, you know, I'll either call one of my friends who does turning and say, here, you want some pen blanks or it just goes in the garbage. But I like you, Matt, if it's a rare species or something that's a little bit more expensive, I tend to hold on to it longer, but it almost seems like almost eventually I, I hold on to it because I feel bad, but eventually it winds up getting either given to someone or thrown away, unfortunately, yep. if it's too small. Yeah. Ditto. I'm kind of the same way. Um, I will try to not burn it. And I just packed up a couple of cardboard boxes and shipped it off to the first two people who responded on Twitter recently. <laughs> That's a great way to do it, actually. I mean, it, no, I should do that. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I don't really build much. You know, I did that craft show circuit for a while. So I was building little boxes and things and I hung on to everything. Yeah. And now it's like, eh, you know, if, it, if I can't get a furniture part out of it, I'm not keeping it. Now to the other extreme is I keep the really small stuff um, for splines or um, yeah you know little i'm constantly reaching for little pieces as like a wedge for like shop operations and things like that and once i use it it generally gets thrown away yeah (laughs) um you know i found since i launched the hand tool school i do more demos so i i will keep like an eight inch long piece thinking "Eh, i can cut some dovetails into that in a demo or something but um you're right mark every now and then you're just like i just gotta get done with it all Mm -hmm. and you just get rid of it wholesale. Well, and a great thing to do if, if you have the time is you could even cut the pieces down to a, a certain size. If you want to go on, like you did Twitter, a forum, whatever, say, Hey, I've got some scrap wood. If there are any turners or any scroll sawyers out there who are interested in a box of small scraps, 
I'll go get, you know, a, a U.S. Postal Service flat rate box, cut a bunch of pieces just big enough to fit into there, just pack it in there and ship it out to somebody. And, you know, yeah. you make a couple bucks on it. Um, the, the people can really use that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I just had fa- him pay shipping and gave it away. <laughs> yeah. My, my family it. teased me because uh, one summer I ended up, uh, we were having a really kind of crappy garage sale. And I'm like, I got to get rid of some more stuff. So I ran downstairs in the basement, uh, grabbed a whole bunch of uh, little scraps, put them in a brown paper bag and wrote scrap wood or hot or what I put craft wood on there. Mm-hmm. And those things sold like you wouldn't believe people were walking away with it. You would have thought they just hit the mother load. <laughs> and my family just looked at me. They're like, seriously? Now what are we going to use to cook marshmallows? I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like the worst thing we can do is throw it away because there's definitely a woodworker out there who can utilize this stuff if if you could find the person. Yeah, I suddenly hear a wood hoarder crying in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lady at at the Stepping Stone Museum tell me one time that I was like planing aromatic cedar. We do that just because it smells pretty. And this lady's like, oh, my God, can I have those shavings? I'm like, sure, you want a bag? And I like filled up a (laughs) shopping bag with them. She's like, they're selling like small sachets of this at Bed Bath & Beyond for $9. Oh, man. Nice. Tell you what, go grab some Ziplocs and make yourself some money because you can have it. So the aromatic cedar is Stepping Stone Museum's version of when a realtor puts a uh, Cookie, chocolate right? chip cookies in the oven. Oh, I thought That's you were going to say it was our version of the turkey leg. I was thinking the same exact thing, man. I was like cedar. I was thinking of the chocolate chip cookies thing. That's great. <laughs> nice. Oh, you know what I actually do? I've got. Um, I, I used to use a lot of alder, and it was great because one of my favorite meals to make is like an alder plank salmon on the grill. So I would resaw them just in a thin enough strips that you could fit a nice filet on there. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So being a person who smokes meats and, and loves to grill, having some good domestic species left over, I don't throw anything away. I don't make marshmallows or <laughs> make burnt marshmallows <laughs> with them, but uh, I still use them to cook stuff, which is cool. Yeah, we should move on. I haven't had dinner yet. Oh, yeah, me neither. Good point. All right. So next one, we've got a email from Tom. He says, I'm perplexed by something going on with cross cuts on two different species, pieces, not species. species huh? I'm on the wood thing right now. Pieces of equipment on my DeWalt chop saw, which is dead square. When I put a square to it, to the cut he's talking about, I could see light gaps in one or maybe two places when I hold it up to a light. When I cross cut on my saw stop, which is also dead square, I even have a lesser of a gap. Uh, or no gap at all. I know, use the saw stop, smiley face. Sometimes the square touches, sometimes the square touches in the middle and you could see light gaps on either edge. I'm cutting hardwoods like ash. Do you find that saw blades tend to flex when cutting at different speeds, different woods and different thicknesses that would cause this? Tom. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I do find that and it kind of varies as he said. I think he kind of identified and answered the question himself. Um, I've got a Festool Capex. You know, it's one of the highest quality miter saws, if not the highest quality miter saw out there. And when I do the same thing he did, I do a nice long cross cut and I hold it up with a good accurate square. I know the saw is set dead on, but if you look at that edge, it's not absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it could come down to just what he said, the the blade itself flexing, possibly the density of the wood causing the blade to flex a little bit. Um, but, you know, it sometimes is better than others, but it's certainly not dead on perfect. And I, I do get better results at like the table saw with the crosscut sled. Um, but we're talking about a more powerful saw. Um, you know, the blade might be even a little bit thicker. I actually don't know for sure what the teeth thickness is on the blade that I've got on the chop saw. But um, either way, I think the table saw is a little bit more stable. So, yeah, this is just something that that I've noticed that just happens. I yeah. would think it's a feed rate thing, too. If you think about yeah, it, you yeah. d- when you drop that crosscut blade down, we mm-hmm. tend to cut faster. True. You know, you're pulling that thing down. Whereas if you're feeding it through the table saw, you know, it's a little bit more controlled, even pace. You're not trying to force that through. Yeah, good point. Um, miter saws in general, is just a faster action. And there's got to be deflection there, especially in something like ash, because mm-hmm. that's hard. Maybe try, you know, on that same uh, thought process, Tom, maybe try going slower. You know, I've got, I don't know if he's just got a, you know, just a standalone chop saw, if he actually has a sliding compound miter saw. But uh, either way, take it a little slower. See if that helps. Maybe that'll give you a little bit cleaner of a cut. Yeah, that's exactly something I've been wrestling with, and that's that's sound advice. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that and see what it does because I I do have that frustration where I'm like I am so sick of this. I'm giving this up. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, the funny thing about this, this is where woodworkers you get to that certain level where you get really really picky. 
you know, and you start to look at stuff and, and it's, it's an amount of error that is truly in the big picture insignificant, but we, we see it. We found it. If you could see that error, you kind of have this need to fix it. You fixate on it. Exactly. Yeah. And is it really a problem? Cause he even says in there, I, I kind of trimmed his email down a little bit, but he said, it's not even enough that he would worry about putting it on a shooting board or something to clean it up. So we're talking right. about like a, you know, a foul, you know, something that he holds up to the light and you could just see the light peeking through, but I totally understand that mentality. I, I do it too. I <laughs> chase. Yes. So Tom, for you, just step away from the square, Step away, <laughs> right? put the square down and just to move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm guilty of that too. So what are you going to do? Uh, nice. Shannon, uh, obviously not much. You're up next. Uh, this one's from EJ. He says, I have a few questions on finishing as a general question. What is your favorite type of finish and why to be more specific? I am refinishing some hand tools and want to know what type of finish you recommend for someone without a lot of finishing experience for simplicity. I was thinking oil and wax, but I don't really know where to start. Well, hmm. where to start? Um, I mean, I still love shellac, but I don't know if I, well, I kind of wiped that on everything because as I said, before we came on the air, I tend to have some left over and I just like start wiping it on stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever's in reach. So I, a fair amount of my hand tools have uh, shellac on them. Um, and people wonder why Alex has such a nice, bright, shiny yeah, coat. It's that nice <laughs> shine. Um, I'm still a huge fan of general finishes, armor seal. Um, I have not jumped on the water-based finish thing yet. Um, Mainly because when I don't use armor seal, I'm using shellac. Uh, and I, you know, it's one of those things where I know that it's gotten better and I know there's a lot of good products out there and I'm just too dang lazy to go and try something new because mm-hmm. armor seal works every time. Mm-hmm. And I know if I try something new, I'm liable to screw it up. So for me, it's armor seal or it's shellac. I, mine exactly for pretty much the same exact reason because uh, I, I love Armor Seal or any polyurethane because it's it's easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> that it is, wow. but it's not easy on the ears like what you just listened to. But for all the same reasons, I can so. listen to that all day long, Matt. <laughs> okay, I'm going to send you a tape. All right, um, for me, uh, very similar guys. I, I I usually will put on. I don't know. I try to put on a coat of shellac on just about anything. You know, I think it's a great sealer coat to start off with something like a varnish, a wiping varnish finish. It it kind of cuts a day out of the process because, of course, you're looking at minimally. I mean, on my best day, on a warm day in Arizona, it may take four to five hours for a coat of armor seal to dry. Most people aren't that lucky. So if you can actually hit the wood with a little bit of shellac first... The first coat of armor seal is is not going to absorb nearly as deep, and you can start to build right. that finish much faster and cut almost an entire day out of your finishing schedule. So that shellac armor seal combo for me is actually uh, one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, armor seal is great. It's just a wiping varnish, but man, it, it produces a great finish. For simplicity's sake, oil and wax is okay, but I don't think I don't know. I just you guys have heard. I don't me. think it's that simple. It's it really. I mean, yeah, you just kind of throw it on, wipe off the excess, but the amount of maintenance initially and in wiping back the oil, the amount of maintenance long term and reapplication of the oil because it's not a very protective finish. I just don't right. like it that much. It's something you're right. going to have to think about all the time. Um, but I know some people who are really big fans of oil and wax and will tell you to go for it. Yeah. Well, if, if I, if I may, Mark, if we were to say, what is your favorite finish mm-hmm. on the water-based side, you know, for someone like myself who I really do want to try it because I've heard good things. What is, you know, one of the better water-based finishes out there now? I like Endurovar, general finishes okay. Endurovar. There are quite a few water-based finishes. Just you put a question in a forum, you'll get a lot of people telling you, you know, like target coatings has some good stuff. Um, I don't use everything out there. There is one finish that I have yet, I've got two bottles of it and I have yet to experiment with it. It's from Vermont Coatings and it's a wiping based or or a water-based wiping varnish. So they're selling it as a wipeable product. That's something that's kind of the missing thing for most home woodworkers because a lot of people don't have access to spray equipment. So that's why the oil-based finishes that wipe on easily, they tend to be very forgiving. And that's what we tend to use all the time because it's very, it's just perfect for, for a small shop that doesn't have access to spray booths and all that crap. So well, it's interesting that you say that because one of the reasons I'm considering water-based is I, I do now have an Erlex spray okay, okay. gun and I've only ever used it with shellac mm-hmm. and it's a, it's not hard to clean. I mean, you just flush it with alcohol, but I would so much rather just be able to flush it with water when I'm cleaning it out. Yeah. And to the point where I would like to just dedicate that gun to water base. So I'm not having to mix yep. medium in there. Yep. Good idea. Um, 
So I, I know it's kind of one of those things, once I switch, I'll never go back with that gun. And I'm perfectly comfortable wiping on shellac and wiping on um, something like Armor Seal. So um, that's what's driving me to water base is to be able to actually spray it. Well, if you so, can spray it, that is, I mean, really in terms of speed and just quality of finish, this, this wiping stuff, I don't know how well it works. They claim it works great, so we'll see. But generally speaking, any finish that tends to evaporate or dry quickly just lends itself really well to HVLP. So if you've got it, definitely continue you know, going in that route. Look at Armor Seal. General Finishes has um, their high-performance line, which is also very good and e- easily accessible just about anywhere. Uh, but there are so many brands and so many formulations. Like the chemistry behind water-based finishes is just constantly progressing, and it's yeah. pretty damn complicated too. I mean, most of it's over my head, even having somewhat of a background in, in chemistry <laughs> and bio. Um, so you just got to kind of keep trying some of the new products that are out there because they are getting better. They're super, you know, getting a lot easier to apply and they're looking better on dark woods, which is kind of one of the major downfalls uh, of those finishes. But I've got a a walnut and cherry chest of drawers sitting right next to me that I finished with, uh, general finishes. What did I use for that? I think I used high performance. You can't, I mean, looking at it, you can't tell. There's nothing that indicates that it was finished with a water-based finish. It kind of looks more like it was hit with like a semi-gloss lacquer, you know, so nice. it is, so it's, it is starting mm. to look good and that's walnut and uh, cherry and it's been there for a couple of years. Um, so the cherry's a little bit darker than it was before. So yeah, that's, that's what I would recommend. Cool. You know, when this question comes up, I always want to have some really just amazing answer. Like uh, I would use the oil from the head of a bow whale. Uh, that was caught in a fisher net and had been dead for 10 days so that it's sustainable um, and that are not sustainable or something or other. But then I'm always like, I'm just going to use polyurethane. <laughs> Poly's just fine. <laughs> and the key is use something, you know, if you're getting into it, find something simple, start with something simple and stick with it for a while. The worst thing you could do is keep trying different things. The idea is you want to get to something that you can do, you know, really good work with. And whether that's a shellac finish or a polyurethane, do something that you can practice, get good at it, and then move to something else because you can always then fall back on that other finish. I mean, to me, there's nothing more beginner-friendly than a a wiping varnish as far as I'm concerned. Yep. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our iTunes reviews. We got three of them. If you uh, want to leave us a review at iTunes, just go into iTunes, look up Wood Talk, and leave us a review. We will read it on the show. So we got one here from One Wheel. He says, hey, he likes it. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> he likes it. Hey, Mikey. Well, it is by isn't somebody that, named One Wheel. Isn't it so. backwards? Isn't it, hey, Mikey, he likes it? Uh, maybe that one was already taken. taken <laughs> That's it, right, so. someone... <laughs> Good point. All right. He says, love the show. You guys are always helpful and oddly entertaining. I'll I'll say the odd part is definitely important. Above and beyond. Yes. I've gone back and listened to every episode thus far. I appreciate your efforts individually and combined. I will confess that I've begun to listen to Shop Talk from Fine Woodworking. (gasps) What? (laughs) Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Shop Talk's a good show. But as of late... uh, and. But as a late entry, they have a way to go before earning their chops, so to speak. Thanks, guys. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, One Wheel. Hey, this next one is from Ghetto Abbey Workshop. <laughs> nice. And it's awesome. a great show. These three guys discuss things in a different light that helps me to see things from a different different perspective. I love to hear them argue about hand tool versus power tool. Wait, we argue. Do we argue? <laughs> um, we might bicker a little bit. But shut I don't know up, if Matt. I, I don't know if I call okay, it arguing. Fine. I'm not even going to finish reading this. Okay. Uh, it says, it makes me laugh. I bet the, I bet those old timers had to use hand tools all the time. Would have a festival set up like no other if they were alive today. Thank God for electricity. Not if they hang out with Shannon. That's right. <laughs> you know, it was funny because I started to read that. And I thought that Ghetto Abbey was going to say that we're the old timers. I bet these old timers. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Hey, buddy. Hey, no. buddy. Easy there. Oh, I did just have a birthday. Hmm. Oh, okay. I saw that in a forum, and I, I never know in the forum whether people just didn't fill it out or if it's accurate, so I am always hesitant to say happy birthday. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> but I guess I it is actually. I wished a few people birthday happy birthday there recently, and they may be like, what the hell are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I just, just never the- know if it's, if it's correct. For the, for the rest uh, of this year, I'm going to go in every single day and change it to my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Um, from Elmira Grizzly. <clears throat> says, most enjoyable. My favorite hour of the week. Hey, me too. This show is both entertaining and helpful to this new woodworker, and I look forward to each new episode, second only to actually working with wood. Thanks, guys. I haven't listened to that show. Is that a good one? (laughs) 
working with wood. I don't know. Somebody better go get that URL. <laughs> might be available. All right. Well, remember, today's show is sponsored by Festool. You can go to FestoolUSA.com to find out more about them and also Bell Forest Products, who we're welcoming into the fold. Uh, you can go to BellForestProducts.com. They got lots of great stuff. We work with them for the um, the guild packages. So if you're building a project in the guild, excuse me, burping, and you are looking for a wood package, something either pre-milled or a rough, uh, a rough package for a particular project, those are the guys that we work with, and they have really, really good stuff. So check them out at BellForestProducts.com. Uh, also, I wanted to mention we did have a few uh, donors that either signed up for recurring donations or gave us a one-time donation. Kenny C., Charles C., Robert S., and Alan G. Thank you so much, guys. And also, I want to mention that if you'd like to contribute, you can do that. Any of the Wood Talk, epi- uh, Wood Talk Show episodes or woodtalkshow.com, they all have the information in the left-hand column. You can just click the link for a $2, $5, or a $10 recurring donation or a one-time donation, and we always appreciate the support, all three of us. So, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Matt, give him that contact info, and we can uh, let Shannon go shellac his dog. There we go. Okay, hey, if you have a comment, question, maybe a topic suggestion, or perhaps you want to jump in and tell us what misogynistic pigs we are from our earlier conversation, <laughs> maybe even what Williamsburg should have as their food of choice, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can even leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And again, if you're looking for the show notes or the downloads from today's show or any of the previous episodes, look for them over at woodtalkshow.com, and you can also leave a comment over there for any one of those episodes, preferably a nice, flowery, we are amazing comment. <laughs> but if not, I understand. I just won't read it. We'll take what we can get, Matt. Yeah, okay, we will. Absolutely. <laughs> just please, Mom, please leave me another comment. There you go. All right. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, uh, Shannon and Matt, for hanging out with me. And I just want to say, if we've offended anyone, I'm sorry. Uh, it's all Mark's fault, and it's because of that wig. <laughs> that, that's what it is. I just I turned into a monster when I put that wig on. All right. We'll catch you next week, everybody. See ya. See ya. Cool. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.